0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. It's part of this podcast series called Akash Tries Finance, where I take books on personal finance, investing, etc., and try to break them down chapter by chapter so that I can understand them in more detail, and hopefully you can as well. In previous parts of this um, Podcast series, I have covered books like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and The Richest Man in Babylon by Samuel S. Clarkson. And um, in this series, like I said earlier, we are covering The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. In this episode, we are covering chapter number seven Freedom. Controlling your time is the highest dividend money pays. And that is the goal with every piece of asset that we would like to own whether it's a stock whether it's a piece of gold whether it's a piece of crypto etc we want to be able to have or to own that asset because or generate enough amount of money cash wealth because it gives us freedom over our time it gives us freedom to do what we want it gives us gives us freedom to enjoy what we want it gives us freedom to not do the things that we do not like and he says very clearly if i have wealth i can very easily wake up one day in the morning and say i can do whatever i want today people want to become wealthier to make them happier happiness is complicated but if there's a common denominator of happiness across people's lives it's that people want to control their lives the ability to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, for as long as you want is priceless. It's the highest dividend money pays. Now he's um, used this example and he's intertwined it with several sort of several stories throughout his own life and the lives of many people, uh, and also given us a very important way to think about it, especially in. The modern world we live in today, where everything is fast-paced, everything is thought-based, and everything just doesn't seem to stop. So he says, Angle, Angus Campbell, who's a psychologist at the University of Michigan, born in 1910, his research took place during an age when psychology was overwhelming, overwhelmingly confused and focused on disorders, that brought people down, things like depression, anxiety, and schizophrenia. Campbell wanted to know what made people happy. His 1981 book, The Sense of Wellbeing in America, starts by pointing out that people are generally happier than many psychologists assume, which was confusing at the time, given that the world was engulfed in a cold war, given that generally the the news in any sort of situation is that people are unhappier, bad news is everywhere. Some were clear, clearly doing better than others. And what was the co- most common denominator? Campbell summed it up as having a strong sense of controlling one's lives is a more dependable predictor of positive feelings of well-being than any of the objective conditions of life we have considered. More than your salary, more than your house, more than the prestige of your job, more than anything else, control over what you were doing, control over what you'd like to earn money through, is a better predictor of happiness and this can be manifested in monetary terms as well for instance having a six months or a one year emergency reserve so that if something happens you can you can you know that i don't need to struggle for the next six months i can live off of this um it means taking a job in the interim between two jobs that doesn't necessarily pay really well but allows you to control Uh, your freedom allows you to wake up when you want allows you to do other things that you want Um, it also means as many people want with fire which is financial independence retire early is the ability to retire early it's it's the ability to retire when you want instead of when you need to right and this is true in the author's life as well Uh, morgan housel Like most of us, um, or at least like most of the people who end up taking finance in their undergraduate and graduate days, want to become something called an investment banker, want to work at one of the prestigious investment banking companies. And so did Morgan Housel. He says, throughout college, I wanted to be an investment banker. There was only one reason why. They made a lot of money. That was the only drive. And I was 100% positive that it would make me happier. In the, in, in the summer of my um, college degree, I got an internship to work in an investment bank in Los Angeles in his junior year. And I thought that I won the career lottery. On my first day, I realized why investment bankers make a lot of money. They work longer and more controlled hours than I knew any human beings could handle. And just notice the word longer and more controlled hours. It's not you that's controlling the hours. It's your immediate superior or your boss or the company or the client going home before midnight was considered a luxury and there was a saying in the office if you don't come to work on a Saturday don't bother coming back on Sunday the job was intellectually stimulating paid well and made me feel important but every second of my time became a slave to my boss's demands which is enough to turn into one of the most miserable experiences of my life it was a four-month internship he lasted a month. The hardest thing about about it was working on someone else's schedule, a schedule that you can't control, can feel the same as doing something that you hate, and this is why many people dislike their jobs, regard despite it being in a field that they like. If it's if it's if it's if it's something that they like doing, whether it's writing, coding, designing, etc. If it's, if it's based on stern deadlines, based on someone else's routine, based on it encroaching on um, your evenings, it encroaching on your weekends, it encroaching on your family time, your friends' time, you are going to hate it. And that's what he means here. Aligning money, because many people take this for monetary uh, needs, aligning money towards a life that lets you do what you want, when you want, with whom you want for as long as you want, has incredible return. Therefore, we always try to take a job for its monetary benefits. But if its monetary benefits align with our with us having control over our lives, that gives us incredible return, is what is what Housel says. And this is true with respect to historical sort of analysis of any country. Now he says that, The United States is the richest nation in the world, but there's little evidence that its citizens are, on average, happier today than they were in the 1950s, when wealth and income were much lower, even at a median level. In 2019, a Gallup poll of 1.5 lakh people in 140 countries found that about 45% of Americans said they felt, quote, a lot of worry the previous day. The global average was 39%. 55% of Americans said that they felt, quote, a lot of stress the previous day. For the rest of the world, 35% said the same. So it's true that not only stress at a normal level, but a certain amount of stress, but stress at a very high level was higher for a country with a higher median uh, level of income wage than uh, the rest of the world. And that is true. Uh, and that is not just true with respect to wage. It, it's it's it, wage is not only one of the things that have improved over the uh, span of time, but also the number of houses, number of amenities in the house. Basically, the things that might drive happiness, but it isn't. And 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 what household says is, what's happened to our time on the other hand, looks barely like progress. And a lot of the reason has to do with the kind of the jobs more of us have right now. So he says that not, yes, inflation is, is, sorry, in yes, real wages have gone up. That is wages adjusted for inflation have gone up. Yes, our houses have gotten bigger. Yes, our amenities in the houses have gotten bigger. But what also has changed is the nature of the jobs that we do. And in the 1950s, most of the jobs were um, labor oriented were physical were assembly line um it, it it or it was with a tool that was only present in the office whether it was a typewriter whether it was um, a sort of manufacturing process whether it was whatever there were very few people in fact there was in in this case during in in, in about the 191870s like right, 46% of jobs were in agriculture and 35% were in crafts of manufacturing. So that's almost 80% of jobs, more than 80% of jobs that were in physical fields. Few professionals professionals required their brains to work, right? Today, that's flipped. 38% of jobs are now designated as decision-making jobs, managers, officials, professionals. 41% are service-oriented jobs that require thoughts as well. So that's again another 80% that require more brains than hands. Now the, the difference is that this required requires you to think a lot more. And you don't leave your brain in the office. You don't leave your brain in the workplace. You in fact even bring your device that you use to work, whether it's a laptop or a mobile phone, back home. And especially with the prominence of work from home. That's even more true, where people aren't, quote unquote, disconnected from the office. They're always connected. Therefore, the stress of work has no boundary between work and home, between uh, conference room and bedroom. Right? Most of us have jobs that look closer to a thought process a thought process that was only sort of sidelined to the executives of the day mm-hmm. and he gives us a very important um, story of john d rockefeller an industrialist and a successful businessman who was known to be really quiet because he was always lost in thought And an interesting anecdote of this example is when asked about a silence during a meeting rockefeller recited a poem which said which went a wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why aren't we all like this wise old bird? That's the importance of thought and that's the importance of thought constantly running through one's mind and that's true right now as we live in the in the 2021s of the world everything is 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 fast-paced everything is is sort of it comes with us into our house he says if your job is to build cars there is little you can do when you're not in the assembly line you detach from work and leave your tools in the factory you might be thinking about your project during your commute but if your job is more thought-oriented You might be thinking about your project during your commute, as you're making dinner, while you put your kids to sleep, and when you wake up stressed at three in the morning, you might be on the clock fewer hours than you would be in 1950, but it feels like you're working 24-7. But this is, again, not an easy problem to solve. This is something that we have to live with, considering that the jobs that we have, considering that the pay it brings us. But compared to generations prior, control over our time has diminished. And since controlling our time is, is a key to happiness, we shouldn't be surprised that people don't feel happier, even though we are on average richer. What do we do about that? Now, in his book, Thirty Lessons for Living, gerontologist, which is a person who studies aging, Carl Pilner, interviewed a thousand elderly Americans looking for the most important lesson. They learned from their life experience and it wasn't, not a single person um, said that it would be happier and they would be happier if they worked a thousand hours. Not one single person said it's important to be at least as wealthy as the people around you. Not one single person said you should choose your work based on your desired future earning power. What they did value was quality friendships, being part of something bigger than themselves and spending quality unstructured time with their children. And that could be found at a job. That could also be found at a business. It's about building the right culture. It's about being part of a goal bigger than what you think you are. And it's being part of um, both your work life as well as your home life. And it gives you freedom that can be found in the workplace that need not stress you out but know that the goal through money is always chasing freedom take it from those who have lived through everything he says by concluding this chapter controlling your time is the highest dividend money pays. that's it from this episode of the psychology of money as part of the Akash Strikes Finance podcast, the ATF podcast. If there's any way I can improve, please let me know. Um, I also have set up a Twitter, so check the link of that in the description. Through my Twitter, I try to um, learn more about fundamental analysis um, and in, in a way to value companies. And if that, if that does intrigue you, you can check out my Twitter and give me a follow. And also uh, let me know about other things that I can try to cover, other books, other pieces of analysis, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But that's it from this episode. I hope you'll join me next time.